Hello and welcome to our new episode of Go Figure, Our Man in Washington, a podcast from Chartered Accountants Worldwide Network USA. During this episode, we'll be taking you through the latest US market trends, from inflation and the labour market numbers to the government shutdown, what it is and what it means for the economy at large. I'm Antia Dirks from Chartered Accountants Worldwide and Our Man in Washington is David Freeman, Director of Corporate Governance at Chartered Accountants Worldwide Network USA. David, welcome. Good morning, Ansha. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So let's start with the GDP growth and inflation figures. Where are they in America right now? And what's the impact been on interest rates? Yeah. So GDP was revised upwards by the Fed uh, for the first quarter of this year, almost a whole percentage point. And quarter two was about 2%. And unfortunately, at the time of creating this podcast, the results for the third quarter aren't out yet. They're due out this morning. But they were, be, they were predicted to be sharply higher again, possibly at 2.1%. So the, the economy has really outperformed uh, expectations this year so far. As far as inflation is concerned, we were heading in a nice downward direction, down to 3% in, in June. And then July, it popped up to 3.2. And August and September, it's been 37 So it's out of the range of 2% that the Federal Reserve wanted to get to and is still in the wrong direction. Of course, the Fed has been a little bit more cautious on interest rates recently, leaving them around 5.5%. It's still the highest for 22 years, but it's unclear at this point whether the Federal Reserve is going to increase interest rates any more this year, or whether it's just going to just leave them alone and and see what happens. It's been uh, an interesting time because the economy is still not acting in a in a way that would create a predictive trend and like most things most of the people are wrong most of the time in terms of what the economy is actually going to be doing sectors that are doing well uh, shelter or, or sorry the, the contributors to the inflation number shelter which is sort of generally housing has gone up again its its index has risen now for 41 consecutive months which is a long time. Housing cost just keeps on going up and up and up. And the other major contributor is, is fuel, which, uh, or gas as we call it here, which has been very volatile. It goes up and it comes down again. But unfortunately, the upward trend has spiked the interest rates as well. Interesting. Do you think that the conflict in the Ukraine might have had an impact? Because there are some schools of thought that Biden is bankrolling that to an extent. Well, the issue with Ukraine is not so much the impact to the economy as a whole, because I think it's been built in by now. The issue is that it's one of the contributing factors to the increasing level of government debt. And with inflation going up and the Federal Reserve increasing interest rates, that has a knock-on effect on the cost of the government servicing its debt. Uh, to the point where so far this year, the government has spent $659 billion paying just interest on its debt, according to a Treasury report. And that means that the United States is spending more on interest than all the federal reserve, or sorry, the federal programs for children, 
so childcare, education, and tax credits for families. So this is really, we are on an unsustainable path. And this has also caused the bond interest rates to spike higher as well. And this is a, you know, it's a, it's a concern because the government deficit of which that Ukraine spending is part is really, you know, causing problems for the for the Federal Reserve. The government keeps on borrowing to finance an ever-increasing debt level. And, you know, if we carry on at this level for another three years, payment on debt could be the second largest thing that the government has to pay apart from Social Security. So um, this, this is a looming problem and successive governments have been unwilling to tackle it because it means probably tax increases and that is a no-no in this country, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, well, we're seeing sort of tax increases left, right and centre in the UK, but those figures that you've just quoted are eye-watering. Anyway, let's turn now then to the all-important labour market, actually, and see whether or not the levels are the same in terms of growth as they have been, and whether they have or not, which sectors are performing best over there? Well, in the spirit of unpredictability, job growth is well up there. The the numbers indicated that job growth was you know, cooling down nicely, and then they spiked again in September to 336,000 new jobs. That's 33 state, straight, straight months of increases in employment, which is which is quite remarkable. And unemployment is still pretty low. I mean, it's a little bit above what it was when it was at its lowest point, but it's still you know, 3.8%, which is you know very, very good in terms of people having, having jobs. Uh, we saw some gains in professional and business services, but overall, that uh, uh, if you look back at business professional services since May, it's, it's pretty much flat. We are seeing growth in leisure and hospitality. That's probably the biggest area, but that is still about over 1% less employment level than it was at the beginning of the pandemic. And the other two, healthcare and government, seem to be you know, ever increasing for, from an employment standpoint. We're seeing good labor, part, labor force participation. People are coming back into the market. In September, 62.8% of the potential labor force was in the market. And that's increased from 62.1, which was the low in, in July of 2022. Long-term unemployment is still fairly low. It, it bobs up and down a little bit, but it's in a fairly narrow range. And we, we are seeing a decline in layoffs as well, down uh, 37% from last August. Oh, sorry, down 37% from this August, but they're still, you know, higher than they were this time last year. So, you know, the, the, the economic picture is on employment is pretty good. We, uh, we, I, I look at the weekly job, the new jobless claims. And they, they spiked in June, but they're, they've been, you know, bobbing up and down, but down to just over 200,000 a week for the week of the 16th of September, which is the last one for which I have information. So overall, you know, the, the, the job picture is, is, is pretty good. 
which of course, you know, if, if more people are employed and they've got money in their pockets, then of course that's going to feed into the economy and keep that relatively stable as well. Right. So tell me about the customer sentiment survey that's come out of the University of Michigan. What did they find out and why, why should we care? Well, really, consumers have been the driving force, the power behind this economy. Because employment has stayed high throughout the period since the pandemic, it means that people have money to spend. And spending is not just a function of having money in your pockets, how people feel about the economy. So the University of Michigan has this consumer sentiment survey, and it was set as an index level of a base of 100 in 1966. It rose between May and July from 59.2 to 71.6, which was, was good. But then it, it started falling again in August, September, October. And October, it's down to really the level it was almost in, in May. And, and there are concerns out there. There are concerns about inflation, uh, personal finance. Inflation is, is definitely eating away at people's spending power. You've got cost of energy, which is meaning that people have to spend more money on energy than they would otherwise. But if you look at the longer run, view of consumers, they really haven't changed their view uh, too much, which suggests that these economic conditions that cause problems for them will, will not persist. Uh, so it, again, it's an encouraging sign that, and honestly, uh, there have been reports you know, in the last few days that consumers are, are powering this economy through thick and thin, and all those predictions of recession that were coming out a year or so ago, have, have, have turned about have turned out to be, you know, un, untrue, and we can thank the consumers for that because they're all employed and they're spending money. Well, hallelujah for that. So, look, let's turn now to the government shutdown. Can you explain, for the benefit of our listeners, first of all, what it is, and then which services are and aren't affected by this, please? Yeah, sure. So the government shutdown is one of those unique American things. I don't think there are many other countries in the world that even have the possibility of, of this happening. And the situation we're in at the moment, just to lay, lay the groundwork, Congress set in place a 45-day extension at the very last minute. I mean, the, the 23rd hour, literally, before the government was going to have to shut down. And they set an extension of 45 days at sort of current spending levels so that they can go through all the negotiations and issue all the bills necessary to be able to fund the government on a longer-term basis. Well, politics intervened, and the Speaker of the Republican House was removed by his own party because he sought the support of the Democrats to pass this resolution. And it was only yesterday, which is over 20 days later, that the Republican Party finally appointed a, a you know, or found someone to be the new speaker. And that point, a person was a, a appointed uh, into the role yesterday. So here we are. We've just lost over 20 of those 45 days to figure out what the government, the government funding is going to look like. So even though we avoided one before, 
there's definitely a possibility that we might get another government shutdown in the next month, probably to mid-November, which is which is scary. So let, let me explain what a government shutdown is. Mm-hmm. Essentially, when the government shuts down, federal government stops providing non-essential services or what is regarded as non-essential services. And this it, so it occurs when Congress just can't agree on the annual budget, and the budget year starts on October the 1st. So during gov- the, the practical effect is that during a government shutdown, federal workers who aren't in essential positions are furloughed. In other words, they are, they are put on unpaid leave. So I'll give you some examples, what's essential and what's not. Military is considered essential, thank goodness. But people have to work in the military without pay. 400,000 civil defense department employees who work for the Defense Department, uh, they're, they're put on unpaid leave. Air traffic controllers and the security people at airports uh, are considered essential, as is federal law enforcement. Again, great. But if you want to go and visit a national park, one of the many national parks in the country, they're going to have to be closed because those employees are non-essential. It also affects the people you know, people generally. So 40 million low-income Americans would lose their benefits if a shutdown goes on for more than a month, which is, which is a terrible situation. Once the government, the, the government agrees the budget, which they have to do at some point, federal employees are paid their back pay. So the problem is more that you might have to borrow or you know, go into debt while you're not being paid, but then you get all that money back. And generally, a lot of businesses are, are you know, deferential to that situation and will provide assistance. But nonetheless, you know, going without pay in this day and age is, is, is really tough. Now, the people that aren't so lucky are government contractors, people who work for uh, government contractors or contract directly with the government. They don't get any back pay. So that their their money is is permanently lost, which is of course a big financial hit for them. Now some things are not affected. For example, social security, pensions, medical plans, the post serv- postal service is not affected because these groups have their own budgets, so that they're budgeted separately. The budgeting system in government is is really complicated. State and local governments as well, their services aren't generally affected because, again, they are separate entities. They're not allied with the federal government. Although they do get funding from the federal government, they also raise their own revenue, so they're less affected than anything else. Now, prior to, prior to 1980, government operations were not disrupted as the assumption was that Congress would act quickly. You know, if, if this did happen, everyone was, okay, well, let's just carry on. They'll get to it in the end. But unfortunately, in 1980 and 1981, there were a series of legal opinions by the Attorney General, who's the you know, top legal officer in the country, that government agencies did not have the authority to continue operating during the funding gap. So that was the beginning of this whole government shutdown thing. And since, since 1980, 81, there have been 14 shutdowns. Ronald Reagan oversaw eight of them. The longest of one, though, was only three days. Uh, Bush had one, the first Bush in 1990 for three days. Then they started getting longer. So President Clinton had one in 1995 for five days. 
Uh, that was in November and in December, there was one for 21 days. And then the Obama administration had one for 16 days. That, that was a fight over the Affordable Care Act, the sort of the, the health care act that was the Obama admission administration put in place. Oh, with, Obamacare, with, yeah. Yeah, which, which the Republicans didn't like. Then the next government shutdown was under Trump in January 2018. That was to do with giving citizen rights to individuals who were brought into the country, or sorry, were the children of people who were illegally in the United States. So if you're born in the United States, you're automatically a citizen, except you because of the various rules there are and objections, there's this whole swathe of people who were who were born here or the ones that were brought here when they were very young are not citizens and, and cannot be citizens at the moment. So there was this special program put in place, which again, there was objections to, and that caused that government shutdown. And then in 2018, the border wall, uh, the border with Mexico, the funding for that resulted in a, a, a 34 day shutdown. Now, given the Republican Party's inability to elect a f- speaker and, and um, you know fighting over it for 20 days and having several people who were nominated and then declined to to take the position given that they can't agree amongst themselves it seems it seems though we are at risk for another another government shutdown coming up and it's just because the governing party in in the house uh, cannot agree amongst themselves whether to do a short term, another short term extension, or to just let the government shut down until they've got all the bills in place that can be passed. So it's it's a dynamic situation. We could have another shutdown in November. Let's hope not, but we'll 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 have to see. Well, I was wondering, you know, obviously Biden hasn't been the only president to to oversee one. You know, you've gone back through and and named, you know, pretty much all the all the presidents in my lifetime who have overseen. But what I'm wondering is, you know, what impact will this have on the on the wider economy and moreover the confidence that the people will have in in the government as a result of this? Well, there's little confidence in the government anyway at the moment. The the, the opinion of the government uh, generally is is at a very very low level. So, you know, good question. What what does the what is the effect on the economy? Well, firstly, there are all those poor people who are either furloughed or can't work and don't get have to work and don't get paid or don't work and don't get paid until everything is sorted out. And of course. That spending power is is sort of lost for a period of time to the economy, and that obviously could have a knock-on effect on everything else that's going on. Americans who are dependent upon government programs are going to suffer. They're not going to have that income. The last big shutdown in 2018 delayed at least $18 billion in spending, and at the end of the day, it cost eleven billion, of which three billion was permanently lost. So it does. It's going to you know hit uh, gross domestic product. 
There was a nonpartisan congressional, the nonpartisan congressional budget office figured out that there was a loss of 0.2% on GDP, which is actually a pretty large number. <laughs> the other irony is that if there is a government shutdown, there won't be economic data released. So we won't even know how the economy is doing. So the economy will be running, you know, the, the people who set interest rates and look at everything else, everyone who depends upon information about the economy is going to be flying uh, completely blind. But on the plus side, historically, the stock markets don't seem to have reacted to government shutdown. Because at the end of the day, they know that the government is going to get funded. It's just the short-term impact of that can be detrimental for all the poor souls who are dependent upon money from the government. It does really seem like a huge case of bloody-mindedness on, on, on both sides of the political spectrum to me. And it's a shame that innocent people, government workers are affected by this. This really sort of segues quite nicely into my final question, because I'm wondering just before we do finish, whether there's much electioneering occurring over there yet. So in the United States, the question is actually the opposite. When isn't there an electioneering? Uh, it, it, there is a perpetual cycle of elections. And for example, right now, if I turn on my television, even though we don't have many elections in my state. The neighboring state, Virginia, does have them. So we are being bombarded with elections for the Virginia legislature. So there, there are no federal elections this year that I, that I recall. But next year, uh, there's going to be the presidential election and the federal elections so there is, we just live in a perpetual state of electioneering in this country. And it really is, in re, no, regardless which party you support, it, it really is tiresome and annoying that you get ad after ad on the television. And people are really, the politicians are really spending so much time trying to raise money and electioneer that they don't do the job that they were elected for. That's yeah. the way things are in America. Oh, the irony. And it does really look, doesn't it, unless something happens, that we will have a rerun of the previous presidential election, whereby it'll be Trump versus Biden round two, which it, it, is unfathomable it, it looks, in many ways. <laughs> it, it looks that way at the moment, but you know things happen at rapid rates and with I think it's the, the 91 indictments that former President Trump is under right now. Yeah, we just don't know the, the, the impact of that on, the, on him personally and the election. And the other wild card is the fact that in the U.S. Constitution, there is a, a, a clause that says that if any president was essentially involved in an insurrection or tried to cause the downfall of the government, they can be disqualified from standing. So some legal scholars are pursuing that line to see if they can actually get him taken off of the ballot. So there are a lot of legal cases going on in, in different states at the moment. And so the, the whole thing is, is a bit of a legal quagmire. But I would not be one to try and predict how this is all going to fall out. I don't think anybody would really want that job anyway. 
Thank you so much, David, for sharing uh, your insights on the US markets and beyond. I'm afraid that that's all we've got time for from our man in Washington. Thank you for tuning in and keep an eye out for the next episode that will be coming soon. Until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.